Jesus. And as we do now, can you just put your hands together again and just help me welcome everyone joining us online in our Colleen campus. We are one church, many different locations. Welcome to church. Again, I know Maluf already said, but this is amazing. We're encountering Jesus in this place and we just began. And, and, and we've been in this series now, this past month, Pastor Chris has been teaching us and showing us, leading the way, what it means to forget religion so that we can find God. I'm just grateful for our pastor who is helping you and are leading us so that we can create a culture here at Cedar Reach where there is no room for religion and where, where our relationships with God can thrive. And that's what this series is all about. And I have the honor today to just wrap it up and, 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 and end this series today. But before we do that, I want to just declare over the Word of God. If you have a Bible with you, we're building everything we do here at City Reach on the Word of God. If not, just lift up your hand and, and just declare together with me so we prepare our hearts today. Say this, Father God, thank you for your Word. For your word is a lamp to my feet, is a light to my path. Your word changes me from the inside out. Today I'm ready to receive and I'm willing to obey your holy word. Amen. Now we said it, now let's do it. Come on. Hey, we, we now learn what it looks like to not have religion. We're not bound by religion, but instead we have life-giving relationship with God. What I want to talk about today and just start off with a warning. Let's make sure that we now, when we've been set free, we don't go back to religion. And you say, well, of course, Danny, I would never, ever do that. I know that's our intention. We would never want to do that, but it's lurking and it's inviting us back into its presence again. So let me just show you. Let's start off with one of the scriptures Pastor Chris shared last week to just recap and remind. This is now Jesus, Jesus' definition of what religion is. Because some people even here would say, why are you talking against religion? You're a church. You're kind of the place for religion. No, that's what the world says and believes. But we go by Jesus' definition what religion is. And we don't want it because Jesus said this in Mark 7, 7, that religion is teaching man-made ideas as if they were commands from God. So there are man-made ideas out there that is taught as this is what God wants for us. So when we read that today, you and I will have to ask ourselves, like, who are those people? If there are people out there making up ideas and start teaching them as commands from God, can we just get rid of those people so that we get rid of religion altogether? Can we just find them somewhere and one way or another get rid of them? Okay, let's not go into details there. And, and we may think, well, that's like the big institutions or super old denominations or, or different world religions. Yeah, all of those represent religion. But let me tell you this. There is not a committee of, of religious people sitting around a table coming up with new ideas to introduce that as religion. So what are those man-made ideas coming from i want to show you today because if we can see that we can be on our alert we can be on our guard not to go back and invite religion back okay so we need to go back to the birthplace of religion to understand this and 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 it's really in the beginning of the book in the bible of, of genesis when god creates heaven and earth and, and and creates a relationship adam and eve to have a relationship with him to know him to walk with him 
But we know in chapter 3 that they decided to sin against God, turn their backs to God, and go their own way. And as soon as they do that, we have Genesis 3, 7. And this is what it says. Then, when they sinned, the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. Now, let's just pause there for a second, because it's not talking about physical nakedness here. Okay, it's not a medieval picture that you, you should have in your mind now. No, let's go back to the original text. Let's talk about spiritual nakedness. Because you see, God did not create Adam and Eve or you and I to be naked and alone and empty. But he created us and then he clothed us. You can read this in Psalm 8 in, in, in the book of Romans. You can read this in Isaiah. He clothed us with his glory, with his presence. And then he clothed us with his righteousness. So they were not naked, they were walking around clothed by God himself. But now when they sinned, they lost God's kind of clothes. Righteousness and glory could not be around them anymore because they have chosen a different path. So they realize they are naked without God, spiritually naked. Now, if, if they would have done the right thing based on a relationship with God, they should have run straight back to God and said, God, please help us. We messed up. We made a mistake. Can you please help us again? And God would have. But instead of doing that, when they recognize that they are naked, they start to think that now we will not be accepted by God again. Can we figure it out? What can we do to be accepted by God again? So it says in the text, so... They sewed fig leaves together. And remember now, fig leaves, not just one fig leaf as the medieval paintings again, just covering up one part. No, 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 fig leaves. They sewed fig leaves together to, to make coverings for themselves because they realized every part of my body now is naked without God. So they took, I did some crafting here for you. They do, took fig leaves. It's not as pretty. And they sewed it together. And they started, this is terrible. It looked better for a service. See? They made coverings. Because you see, now they got the idea, they recognize I'm naked without God. So let me help God fix my problem. They're working hard. See, I want you to understand, the desire in their hearts was probably pure. They wanted to be accepted by God again so they start to work hard instead of accepting God's kind of solution to this problem they are thinking let us fix it so they start to sew fig leaves together and help God fix their problem they have a man-made idea and they think this is going to solve my spiritual problem now I want you to see, this is the moment religion was born. And I I'm not saying that religion comes from the Garden of Eden. That is not the birthplace of religion. The birthplace of religion is the human heart. And this is now what Adam and Eve did. They did this to solve God's problem. But they're not alone. Since then, we have all followed the same path. Listen, what Romans 3.23 says, it says that all... That includes me and that includes you. We have all, we have all sinned and lost the glory. We have, we have lost the clothing of God. We've lost it because we made mistakes. 
So what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you here today is that religion is lurking in all of our hearts. Because we have a tendency to try to fix the problems without inviting God to be a part of the solution. We think that I need to fix this so God can accept me again before I can have a relationship with Him. But it's actually the opposite way of doing it. The Bible defines this when we do deeds like this to become righteous in our own power as self-righteousness. And even though it may look great or not in, in other people's eyes, may be impressive. Now it's not impressive to God. It's just a cheap, poor copy of what God intended it to be from the beginning. Listen to what Isaiah says about it. He says, all again, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And then all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We can't do it without God. It is impossible to become righteous again without Him. And even you and I, we're, we hear this and we're thinking, yeah, I know, I know only God can do it, but yet is lurking there. And you may even be thinking right now, like Daniel, I'm glad you're telling me this so that I can look out for it. Okay, I'm, 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 I agree, okay, we need to look out for it because sometimes religion comes from the outside trying to be forced on us. We need to be aware what we are feeding ourselves with, what we are listening to. But today I'm here to tell you that instead of just looking out for it, we need to look in for it. If you're a believer or not, if you've been walking with Jesus for a week or for decades, self-righteousness, fig leaves, religion is closer to our hearts than we think. And today I want to show you a story from Jesus' life that Jesus is now bringing a solution to this problem, helping us identify so that we can be on our guards and we can protect our own hearts against this. And this story is from Mark chapter 10, 17 to 27. I'm going to read one part of the story at a time and you'll see now put ourselves into this story so that we can understand what we can do and the solution Jesus is bringing to this. So it says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, from the, from the beginning of this story, it doesn't look like this guy is a religious guy at all. He's not walking in with long tassels or, or like with prayer boxes covering his life. No, he's running up to Jesus, even kneeling before him publicly. He looks like a humble and sincere person. And we may recognize ourselves like, that's what I need to do. And he's even, he's even recognizing, I need eternal life and I don't have it yet. Please help me. How can I get that eternal life? So it looks like a story, not about a religious guy, but I want you to pay attention to what he's saying. And you're going to recognize that religion has already gripped his heart. Firm grip. Because what is he saying? He's saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if he would have said, what must I do to win eternal life? The question would have made sense. Or what must I do to be granted eternal life? It would have made sense. But the way the question is asked is confused, it's contradicting itself. Because he's saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He recognized that it's an inheritance. It's nothing I can work for. Because you see, the definition of the word inheritance is actually that someone else did the work. Someone else done all this work. And now it's given to me based on my relationship with this person. 
Maybe my parents, maybe my grandparents, my, 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 my unknown sister or cousin or uncle in Argentina. I'm just waiting on that inheritance. So when I did all the work and it would be given to me based off of a relationship. Now Jesus, he did all the work for you and I. Jesus paid the price for us. He shed his own blood so that we can inherit eternal life through a relationship with him. And that is what Jesus wants to show this man today. But instead, the guy said, what must I do? What's on me to make that happen? You see, number two today, religion will strive to earn eternal life. In other words, soul leaf, fig leaves together. We are so good at this. We are trying hard. And maybe you're in this room and you're saying, well, dang, I've been, I've been walking with Jesus for years. So have I. I love him. I, I know. Me too. My heart, my head is convinced that it's all on Jesus. He paid the price. He did it all. There's nothing I can do. And we agree on that. And yet, religion may be tickling your heart a little bit. Because surely there must be something I can do to be a little bit more loved by God. To be a little bit more accepted by God. To, to, to earn a little bit more of eternal life. Maybe if I fast a little bit longer. Maybe if I pray a little bit harder. Maybe if I, if, I, if I do this, we are trying so hard to earn it in our own power. Jesus, he recognized this. He saw this in this man. And he had an answer to him. So he continues to say. He's, he's now revealing the answer. This man wants to know. Let me tell him. And he says, why do you call me good? Jesus answers. No one is good except God alone. He's kind of unveiling his deity there for a second. He used to say, hey, it's actually, I'm actually God. And I'm about to tell you how you do this now. Okay. And then he says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You should not defraud and honor your father and your mother. Jesus is telling him what he's telling us today. Listen, the law is clear. And when you start to look at it, listen, it's impossible to be saved by your own merit. It's impossible to become righteous in your own acts. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us today. We're all standing naked without God, no matter what we do. So he's now trying to show this man and lead this man to that conclusion. But listen, he's only having time to mention six of the ten commandments. And then the man interrupts him. After number six, he's jumping in and he says, teacher, teacher, I know. Listen, I know what you're saying. And I have kept all of these since I was a boy. You see, religion wants to interrupt Self-righteousness wants to interrupt when Jesus is speaking and saying, listen, I got it. I've been keeping all of those. That's not my problem. Tell me something different. I know all of that, Jesus, and I've been perfect since I was a little boy. Look how pretty my fig leaves are. They're beautiful. And we look at that and, and, and today we have the same problem, but it sounds a little bit different in our culture today. We are trying to collect fig leaves in our own strength today as well. And we may say, well, look, I'm actually a pretty good person. I'm living a good life. 
So, so I'm, I'm doing well over here. And, and listen, I'm, I'm actually giving some of my money to the poor every year. So, I mean, that must count for something, right? And, and I never cheated on my wife. I never, I never had another affair. I've been faithful to her. And, and listen, I go to church at least every Easter. You should check in and say, God, we're good. Nothing problem here. Listen, and that must count for something. And speaking of church, I have a lot of people in my workplace. And they actually go to church every week. And they're terrible people. They're much worse than I am. So if they're good, listen, I'm even better than they are. And listen, you may be right in what you're saying. But all you are saying is, look, my fig leaves are prettier than yours. That's, that's all you're saying before God. What are you saying? There? Are you saying that, that this doesn't count for anything? Well, if God is a good God, I'm a good person. Surely he will let me into heaven. Well, you're right that God is a good God. But your conclusion is wrong. That is not the reason he will let us into heaven. If you go and find Elon Musk's big mansion here in Austin, he moved here, one of the wealthiest people on this planet. And you walk up to his door, you dress nice, and you knock on the door, and Mr. Elon opens up. And you say, listen, Mr. Elon, you don't know me, but my name is Daniel, and I have a family of four, and you are really wealthy. You have a mansion that could feed like 500 families. And, and I, I'm, I'm wondering today, I'm a good person, so I was thinking I will move in with you. Because I'm good, and you're pretty good too, right? What would Elon do? He will call the police. Because it doesn't matter if you're a good person, he will say, who are you? I don't know you. And people came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, look all we've done for you. We've been casting our demons. We've been doing so many great things for you. We've even been doing it in your name. So it must count for something. Can you let us in? And Jesus looks at them and said, go away. Because I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Listen, fig leaves, religion, self-righteousness will never be enough. It's all about a relationship. So now... Jesus hears what this guy is saying, and he realized we need to take this even deeper. So he continues. Jesus looked at him, and I love this. He loved him. He was filled with compassion. He saw his cute little fig leaves. And he's saying, he did not reject him. He did not correct him for interrupting him. He did not say, well, then go away. If, no, he didn't say any of that. He loved him. He said, son, I love you, and I truly want to help you. So he's telling him, he's trying to lead him to the right conclusion. He says, one thing you lack, he said, then go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come. I want you to see this. He didn't say sell everything you have and, and that will grant you eternal life. He didn't say that. He said, you're going to have a treasure if you do so. But then, then, here's the trick. Here's the solution. Come and follow me. Join me. Get to know me. Come and be with me. This man's face fell. He went away because he had great wealth. Jesus in his love, he's, he's daring to speak the truth to this man. Because the man had missed the, the spirit, the heart of the commandments. They were not there for you to fulfill them. So in missing the spirit of the commandments, he had broken the very first one. He didn't even recognize you should have no other gods next to me. And I'm not talking about his wealth. I'm talking about his self-righteousness. I'm great. I don't good. God, look at me. I'm not naked. I'm covered in fig leaves. I'm okay. 
And Jesus said, no, you're not okay. He was too rich. It was too hard for him to strip all of that away. But I'm going to tell you today, we are all in the same boat. We're sitting there next to this man, and this is what religion does to us. We are equally rich to this guy. We have plenty of green. We're covered in it. We're wealthy in self-righteousness, in fig leaves, in, in our own deeds, what we have done. And Jesus is looking at us today and he's saying that riches is not enough. There's only one way to God and you're trying not to, to fulfill the commandments in your own power and become perfect. But if you miss one commandment, one second in your life, it's over. You're not perfect. You lost it. So there's no way to do it. But Jesus is telling us, get rid of that wealth. Strip it off. Lay it down. Because you need to realize that you're naked without me. That, you, that you're poor without me. That you will say, God, please help me. Fig leaves cannot do it. Only a relationship can solve this problem. So number three today. Jesus is the defining what eternal life looks like this man thought it looked like one way but Jesus said in John 17 to 3 now this is he's defining here's what eternal life is that they know you God the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent eternal life is given through a relationship with God and that is the only Way. When we strip off our self-righteous acts, our fig leaves in all those different areas and we recognize that we are naked. Now listen, it requires a lot of humility to do so. It's not easy. We feel humiliated because all of a sudden I need to stand there exposed and poor without God and say, God, I'm nothing without you. Please help me. That's what God is asking of us to say. Just, just invite me. I want to be there for you. And the man, it was too much for him to do. It was too much. So he walked away. And when he's walking away, he, Jesus wanted to make sure now his disciples is catching what he's trying to show them in this story, in this encounter. What he failed leading this man to do, what the man failed to realize, he wanted to make sure now the disciples get it. So he turns to his disciples and he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. And Jesus realized, no, they don't get it either. They think I'm talking about wealth and riches and, and physical wealth here. So he says, no, 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 listen, children, listen, listen up. Let me explain it in a different way. And he says it again. How hard it is for those trusting in their wealth, in their greed, in their fig leaves, in their self-righteous acts, in, in their own ways, accept, trying to accept God. It's impossible for them to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. You can't carry your fig leaves with you. You need to strip yourself naked again and ask me to help you. And it's, it's fascinating to me and when you read this story that is against religion, that is against self-righteous acts, against the tricks to try to please God, that religion is grabbing hold of a text like this and then serving it as more religion. Oh, you cannot be truly spiritual unless you're poor. A lot of Christians believe that. A lot of Christians and churches would teach that you need to be poor to be truly spiritual. 
No, 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 listen, that's what religion would try to tell us, that then there's something else we have to do to be accepted by God. It's the complete opposite. There's nothing we can do. Matter of fact, God wants to bless your finances. If you read the entire Bible, listen, I need to attack this a little bit because I don't want you to walk away with religion when we're trying to attack religion now. The entire Bible talks about poverty as a curse. It's a bad thing. It's not what God has planned for you. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing for someone else. That's what he wants to do. God has nothing against, I'm attacking this now. Give me a minute. I, I feel it. God has nothing against you having a lot of money. What he's saying is what he's got against is that money has you. Don't, don't trust in your wealth above trusting in God. Recognize that it all comes from God. So I want to encourage you today. Believe God for your workplace. Believe God for supernatural favor for, for you to be promoted before anyone else because God is with you. Believe Him for increasing your salary. If you're a business person, an entrepreneur, believe God to bless your business today. Hey, believe to build and lead with kingdom principles to honor God with your finances and watch and see what God will do in your life. God is a covenant God. He wants to bless you so that we can fund the kingdom of God. Huh. I love this. Even listen, in, in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, it says that one of the spiritual gifts God is giving is the gift of giving. There's a spiritual gift in the Bible called the gift of giving. You say, well, I don't have that gift. No, listen, don't get it confused. We all children of God. We've all been in the kingdom principle. We've been leading, led by God to give the first fruit to God. Everything we make, the first 10% are tied to the kingdom of God. That is what God is asking of each and every one of us as, as kingdom-minded people. And your giving now, listen, is between you and God. I'm not, I'm not taking up an offering here. I'm just trying to teach you something. But a on top of that, there's a spiritual gift that is the gift of giving. And many times that's, that's combined with, with the anointing by God to gain wealth. So business people, entrepreneurs, many times those things go hand in hand so that you can give above and beyond and fund the kingdom of God. He wants to use your personality, your gift to bless his kingdom. I'm excited because later on this fall, Pastor Chris is starting a team called the Legacy Team. It's a team for the people with the gift of giving so that we can shepherd, that we can help, that we can speak life and pray and partner up with that gift so that you can steward that gift well. If you believe you have that gift, or if you're interested in hearing more about it, just send an email to legacy at cityreach.church and let us share some more information what that looks like in that team. But listen now, enough of that. I'm here to tell you that this text is not about finances. This text is about self-righteousness and surrendering to God's way to strip all of that away so that we can stand before God and say God I cannot do this without you I need you God so the disciples finally got to that place in verse 26 and it says they were even more amazed and they said to each other who then can be saved and Jesus good you, you, you reached a conclusion. I've, I led you. You now understand that you cannot be saved. It's impossible. Jesus looked at them and said with man, it's impossible. From, from the Garden of Eden all the way to this time, all the way to 2022 in Austin, Texas, it's impossible for you and I to be covered in fig leaves enough to be saved. It's impossible for you, but it's not. 
possible for God. Because all things are possible with God. We cannot be saved by our own merits. It's impossible to inherit the kingdom of God in our own attempts. But God is the God of the impossible. And God made a way. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus came to pay the price as he was nailed to the cross. He shed his blood to pay for your guilt, for my shame, for our sin for mistakes, for my religion and my self-righteousness. And he said, let me pay the price for that. Let me take that off of you. And matter of fact, there's an exchange happening on the cross when he's taking my filthy rags and he's giving you and I what he planned from the very beginning. He's clothing us in something else. And Isaiah puts it the best in chapter 61 of verse 10. He says, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. For listen, he has dressed. He has done it. I didn't do it. But God did it. He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. And he has draped me in a robe of righteousness. It's all from him. He is the only one that can restore us from spiritual nakedness. Jesus is the only one that can clothe us again in his righteousness when we let go of our filthy rags of human ideas, man-made ideas that God will accept me this way. You are invited. You belong, but not by your own striving. He did it all for us. And when we get to that place, we accept that God, it's all you. I need you. Clothe me. Fill me. Then we can start to filter everything we do through the lens of a relationship instead of religion. Because you see, religion will tell you, well, I, I have to go to church. A relationship will say, you know what? I get to go to church. If I feel like it or not, that's not my question. But I get to come together with my fellow believers to give you glory, God. To worship you. To grow together with others. Religion will say, well, I, I have to read my Bible. A relationship will say, I get to fill myself with the word of God every day. It's life-giving. It's a life. It's strengthening, strengthening me. It's filling me with life and giving me purpose. I have to fast to get my miracle. I get to fast to disconnect from worldly things so that I can fill my life with more of you and become more like you, Jesus. I get, I, I, I have to give money to the church. No, God, I, I get to trust you with every part of my life, my finances. And sometimes I don't understand it, but I My entire life, I lay down my life like a living sacrifice before you. And I lift my hands in worship to just tell you over and over again, I surrender my ways. I've been trying so hard, but God, I give up again. And I lift my hands in honor to you because you are the only one that is worth of it all. It's only you, God. You can sum it up by saying this. We don't do good things for righteousness we do them from righteousness I do it now because I'm accepted it will not make me more accepted it will not make me more righteous but I do it because now God I want to build my relationship with you stronger and stronger 
And he's inviting us today to guard our hearts that we're not putting on extra layers and fig leaves inside of us to say, well, God, I guess I have to do this and this. No, no, no. You're invited. You're accepted. Jesus paid it all. By only by surrendering can we be resurrected. Only by giving up our ways and our life can we find true life in Jesus. And when we find our true life in a relationship with him, he would transform us. And we're going to start a journey where nothing is impossible for him through you. Do you believe that? Come on, let's just put our hands together. Thank God for his word today.